0: Pull those belts tight, put on your helmet, and grab a gear. It's time for another high-speed episode of Race Chaser Media's Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. Let's throw the green and send it to the hosts in the studio.
1: Hey, welcome to the year 2020. Race Chaser Radio coverage of motorsports is underway for another year. It's... uh, Been a while since we last did this live, a couple of weeks anyway, and we're happy to be back. Uh, My name is Tom Baker. I'll be hosting this show this evening. The usual host of the show, Jacob Seelman, will be calling us on the strutmasters.com guest line for the first hour. He's prepping to um, head to Oklahoma for the upcoming Chili Bowl, but in the meantime, he's going to chat it up with us for the first hour. We're going to talk all kinds of stuff because We've actually had uh, a lot happen since our last show, uh, a lot to catch up on. And, of course, we got the Rumble at Fort Wayne, which Jacob attended. Tony Stewart swept that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk uh, Chili Bowl as well. The TQ Midgets racing live indoors at Atlantic City this coming weekend. So we'll talk about that. Randy Miller has joined us in the studio, our usual co-host, uh, joining myself jacob as we mentioned will be on the phone james mellick behind the production board once again we just call him red and uh all happy to be back for uh another go around definitely uh in 2020 got a lot uh a lot going on as we get ready to kick off the season randy i mean this weekend the roar uh for the uh, rolex cars mm-hmm. at daytona um I mean, it won't be too long. We'll have ARCA cars on the track, and we're off and running. Yep. And it's, uh, you, you know,
2: <laughs> this time a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about going into 2020, and you don't really think about it until 2020 gets here, and you're like, oh, wow, this is a whole other decade, a whole another year. Yeah. They're going to call it the Roaring Twenties, apparently. So... Yeah, it's 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 great, but at the same time, it's kind of scary that we've already gotten into the 2020.
1: Yeah, it is really. Um, mm. 2019 went by really quick. We've got some leftovers from 2019 to talk about, but uh, we're going to start with um, begin as we mean to go on, as the old saying goes. We're going to talk about the Rumble when we come back, uh, and I also want to talk with Jacob about um, the latest from the IndyCar world. New rule for 2020. Talk about that right around the corner. Stay with us.
7: Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music
3: lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. Hi, this is Ross
0: Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness presented by MyComputerCareer.edu as we kick off our 2020 season of motorsports coverage on Race Chaser Radio. I'm Tom Baker. Randy Miller joins me in the WSIC studio in Statesville, North Carolina. James Mellick also with us, punching all the right buttons to keep us on WSIC TV 25.2
8: in Charlotte and also on the Performance Motorsports Network. Yeah, I'm doing my best. It's, uh, it's kind of different being back here behind the board. It's been such a long time it's, looking at all these buttons. We I'm have been like, here since oh, last man. year. Yeah, we haven't yeah. been here since last year. Well, Actually, we, we haven't been
1: here in a decade. Yeah. It's been a decade since so, we've been back here. Get so. all those corny references out of the way now <laughs> so we can just get to the show. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have everybody back. And, of course, Jacob Seelman normally hosts this show in studio. Jacob is prepping for the upcoming Chili Bowl, getting ready to head to Oklahoma. So he has joined us via the Strutmasters.com hotline. Jacob from speedsport.com and sprintcar and midget.com. And um, also a very fine national anthem singer who um, kind of took advantage of the opportunity to uh, utilize those chops again at the Rumble. Pretty cool opportunity for you, Jacob, to be uh, singing the anthem at such a fine event as the Rumble.
9: So I'm actually going to thank Larry Bowes for that one because normally when that happens, and it's actually, that's three times in the last four rumbles that he's ended up having me do it, but normally when it happens, it's about five minutes before the Friday program opening ceremonies, and he radios up and goes, okay, Jacob's doing it, and I'm like, oh, cool, not even a chance to prepare. This time at least he told me Thursday night that I was going to be singing for Friday. So was well, there a benefit to it. Yeah, I at least got to mentally psych myself up. But no, it was—it's always fun to go up there and, and and be a part of the rumble in Fort Wayne. I've done it every year since 2013, and it's just a different event. Much like the uh, much like the Chili Bowl, there's just an atmosphere about it. If you ask Tony Stewart or any of the guys that do it regularly, they'll tell you you just can't replicate the atmosphere at some of these indoor races. It, it's such a high intensity, you know, you you really have to be up on your game every time you hit the racetrack sort of a feel i know you get that a lot with the uh, indoor kart races that you announce thanksgiving every year out at Batesville. it's kind of a similar atmosphere to that um is the best way i can explain it i just enjoy it personally um because you don't you don't get to see some of these guys all the time and it's a fun deal um god bless smoke for doing smoke things uh, Winning both nights and really, you know, for the first time in eight years, it's the first time since I've been a part of the rumble that I actually was able to uh, to watch Tony go to victory lane. It's just an art form when the you know these guys that know how to run an indoor concrete track like that, um, just very unique how they're able to to figure it out, pull it off again and again and again. You know, like Tony has, uh, but I think it was much needed because after the disastrous year they had in two thousand eighteen, you know anything was going to be an improvement, and I'd say uh well, smoke kind of kind of dusted the chops off and said, "Here, let me show you' all how it 's done for a change
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: he definitely did, and you know it's it's interesting because I feel like the car count was down slightly um for this year 's rumble, and yet you still had a pretty fair share of uh Strong competitors. Uh Tony, obviously, Justin Peck, Mike Fedorchek, Russ Gamester, um, Brian Knuckles, Nick Hamilton. I mean, I'm just kind of scrolling through Rico Abreu, Troy Decare, uh, taking a shot at it. Um, you know, you had some some good uh good strong competition there, but you're right. The the atmosphere of indoor racing is much different. It's a family, it's kind of the the family can come out sit in the stands they're much closer to the action obviously than you are in an outdoor track per se and it's just it's it's almost like going to a football game but it's a race when you when you do one of these indoor events like the rumble or as you mentioned the national indoor kart championship that i work on thanksgiving weekend um, king of kings challenge which i'll do next month go-kart stuff or you know, you've got the TQs running in Atlantic City, too, uh, this, this coming weekend. And, you know, the TQ Midgets put on a great show indoors as well. The indoor racing is something that gets people through the winter and gives the drivers a chance to do something quite different from what they normally do. Um, and it was great to see Tony come out and great to see him have the success he had. Uh, I know how much that event means to him as a native uh, of Indiana and an open-wheel, obviously, um, multi-time, I, I'm just going to say open-wheel legend, um, to be able to come back and, and win both nights is a pretty big deal for him.
9: It is, and, you know, again, those Munchkin cars last year had everything in the book go wrong with them over the course of two days. Rico Abreu blew a rear end out of the thing. Tony had a uh, 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 motor issue, I believe, was uh, what plagued him last year on the second night. Um, uh had no shortage of problems on the 97 car, but they pretty much had all three cars running right on the first night. The second night, uh, Rico had a lifter go bad in the motor, and and they didn't want a chance tearing it up worse. But, uh, you know, Mike had a good run on the first night. Tony, of course, did what he did. But uh, you mentioned a name that I would just was so shocked at, being able to come in and run as well as he did. And Troy DeCare out of Florida – really, really impressed me over the course of two nights to oh, be yeah. able to not only make make the feature both nights in his you know first-ever attempt at the Rumble, but Troy's a sprint car guy. He's not a midget guy. And, the, and there are people who will tell you that running a winged sprint car on asphalt is nothing like running a midget indoors on a flat, concrete, little bull ring. And Troy just kind of took to it. It took him a couple practice sessions to figure it out. But once he got comfortable... And got the car underneath him, man. Oh man, look out because he was he was dynamite quick. And I think if he can get in a position where you know next you know next year he's a little more used to it, um, he's going to be running some longer distance stuff this year compared to what he's been running with the pavement sprint car. Uh, you know, you get that endurance back up in a driver. And I think if he comes back next year and takes a second stab at it, Troy's going to be somebody that's dangerous at the Rumble.
4: Well.
1: Um, I don't really know, (laughs) you know, I I don't know how much better he could do other than what he did in terms of performance. Obviously, um, the results are what they are. If your car breaks or you get in a wreck or whatever, then, you know, that's one thing. But he certainly showed that he can run for the win. And Troy, he he made his name with the um, TBARA series, which I think is now gone down in Florida, the Asphalt Sprint Series down there. Troy is a very, very versatile race car driver. I think he's one of these drivers that really doesn't get any respect because he's kind of been pigeonholed down in that one section for a while. But I think uh, I think Troy showed he could run with the best of them and certainly did a good job both nights. That was good.
9: I would agree with that. And The other one I want to give a shout-out to, uh, he didn't make the feature on the second night, but had a really strong run going on the opening night, was uh, Timmy Buckwalter. In uh, what was an absolutely beautiful uh, Mike Stryker tribute car for Jason Beach and Jeff Klaus, uh, that machine was top notch. It replicated almost perfectly Mike's '91 championship car that he drove to the title that year with the USAC ranks. And of course, we lost Mike uh, back in November, but just you know, a lot of great tributes to to him. It was nice to see uh, nice to see Mike's son Richie out and uh, selling some of the. Actual authentic uh, championship shirts that uh, that they had had, um, you know, found them in a barn, believe it or not. But uh, wow. to see Richie out there having a good time was nice. I actually brought one of the shirts home to get framed. Um, but it was just a cool deal. Like right? you know, like I said, every year. Yes, you you reference the competition level was a little bit down. Um, I hope it comes back next year. Now that we've seen, um, you know, now that we've seen another year, I, I think it will bounce back next year. And the fan count this year was up compared to what it's been the last couple of years, too. So I think that's a really, really good positive.
1: No doubt. Okay, so, uh, of course, Tony Stewart sweeping both nights of the Rumble in Fort Wayne. And uh, you can find all the results on speedsport.com if you want to go there. Um, And definitely a, a great weekend of racing. And we will talk to Jacob about where he's going, Uh, the Chili Bowl, of course. We'll talk to him about that uh, as we continue on with the show. But when we come back, I want to get kind of a group discussion going. IndyCar passing a new rule for 2020 that's uh, got a lot of people talking on social media. So we're going to jump over to that as we get into some current news right around the turn. Motorsports Madness will be right back. Stay with us.
2: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser
1: Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Lotus Sports Madness, presented by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Show kicks off. Uh, we are off and running for 2020 and excited to be back in the saddle after a couple of weeks with family and friends and celebrating... Christmas and New Year's and all of that good stuff. Tom Baker, Randy Miller, James Mellick in the WSIC studio. Jacob Seelman is with us via the strutmasters.com hotline. I want to go to a current news story. Actually, this came out today, and I saw it, and I thought it was worth highlighting here while we had Jacob on the phone in this first hour. I want to get some kind of group input into this. I'm going to read from racer.com here because that was the first... um, a uh, story that I saw, uh, this concerns the IndyCar series, NTT IndyCar series. They are changing the rule regarding uh, teams working on their cars during a red flag while the race is stopped. Um, the uh, What happened here is apparently in their minds some controversy happened out of the five car pileup that's that took place at Pocono on the opening lap um and there were five cars in the garage or in the uh, in on pit road the um the cars of Alexander Rossi and Ryan hunter Ray and James Hinchcliffe uh from P- Schmidt Peterson Arrow Schmidt Peterson all worked on their cars and the rule at that time stated That unapproved work performed on a car not related to IndyCar approved safety issues while under a red condition will result in a minimum two lap penalty, which will be enforced in the manner determined by IndyCar. So um, both teams, I don't know what teams references here, I guess IndyCar officials deemed, oh, I see both race teams deemed the cost of that penalty more than acceptable in order to get the three cars ready for the return to racing because at that point, we still had a points race going on. And Rossi, in particular, uh, was in the midst of that point race, second in the standings. So basically, he just, they decided they'd rather have a two-lap penalty and work on the car into the red. Because at that point, they would have a chance at a higher finishing position than if um, they waited till the race went, or the uh, condition went back to caution where they could work on him. And so um, all three cars were assessed at that time. 10-lap, 10-lap, 10-lap penalties by race control. I just wanted to make sure I explained that one clearly. Somehow I missed this uh, when this actually happened. So this was news to me. I missed the penalty, but uh, they changed it on the spot from a two-lap penalty to a 10-lap penalty. And so now the new rule says you either don't touch your cars under red or you're out of the race. So there is no penalty. Randy Miller, are you buying or selling this?
2: I don't necessarily agree with the penalty per se, but, I mean, this is the same rule that NASCAR has had for 50 years. I mean, it to me, it seems like you would have an unfair advantage if you worked in your car while everybody else doesn't get to do anything because that would give you an advantage of being able to fix your car and be able to not lose that many laps when the race goes back under yellow. So to me... I think the the rule itself is fair. I don't know about you know, working your car or be you know escorted from the building. Pretty much that that kind of <laughs> seems a little harsh to well, me. Well, but... it does say
1: they're going to escort them out of the
7: place. Well, but I mean, I mean, gonna if you're not going to race, what's the point of
2: being there? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like you know that's a little harsh to me. But I mean, but the penalty, the the actual rule itself seems like a great idea. James,
8: uh, I like what what you said right there. It's a rule that NASCAR's had for a while. Um, but the whole thing is if you're going to let the guys who have crashed their vehicle work on it, I think you should pull all the cars down pit road and kind of let all of them work on it at the same time. Um, so I'm all right with them not letting them work on it. So I'm cool with that.
1: Okay. I'm going to let Jacob go and then I'll, uh, get my two cents after Jacob's done. What do you
9: say about this? My response to that is why haven't we done this sooner? Why was this not how the rule always was? Well, I, I'll be honest, I didn't even realize there was a provision for a two lap, or in this case, when they changed after Pocono, uh, or in progress at Pocono, 10 lap. I didn't realize this was a rule. I guess I was always, I guess I always just assumed that you could not work on the car. Underread, like uh, you know, much like NASCAR. So the fact that we're now going to this—that's is that's basically my reaction. Why? Why didn't we do this sooner? This seems like common sense to me. So, bravo, IndyCar, way to catch up with the times, finally.
1: It's interesting. I mean, I—I just—I
9: I don't know.
1: I guess I'd rather have it this way than have them say it's minimum of two laps and then decide because. They thought somebody pulled the wool over their eyes that they'd suddenly make it 10. To me, that's just stupid officiating um, and unnecessary. If you're going to have a rule, make the rule clear enough and enforce the rule. Don't just make up the penalty as you go. Um, I've never bought into that kind of officiating, and I think IndyCar can do better. I So I'd rather have this. My question is, I feel like we're fixing something that wasn't broke. This whole idea in the sport to begin with, to me that you can't work on your car under a red flag. If you have damage, you're repairing the damage. You're not working on setup. You're not, you're, you're not making the car better. You're trying to get the car back out for competition. So we, we've NASCAR has a five minute clock and then you have to pull it behind the garage by or behind the wall. Um, I don't understand why we—I don't feel like anything that happened at Pocono
8: warranted a rule change. And I—James, I, you want to jump in here? I want to let you do that. Uh, the only reason I think that they could make a rule like this and the reason it would stick is because just something that comes into mind is at a bigger track like Pocono, it takes so long to get around that racetrack. Right. Um, and they do use a lot of drafting around there. The Indy cars do. Um Kurt Busch won the 500 after being involved in crashes a couple years ago. He didn't fix it under a red flag condition. He fixed it under normal NASCAR conditions and still won the race. Um, And I think maybe they're just trying to prevent a crash vehicle being able to get back out there and win the race. That's the only thing I could see, maybe.
7: Well,
1: Randy. Uh, Let me be devil's
8: advocate for a minute. Go ahead.
2: How many IndyCar crashes have you guys seen where the car is actually repairable after the wreck anyway? Yeah, that's pretty true, too. I mean, in all honesty, well, like I, I know there are instances like you know somebody spins out or tire or whatever, but most of the crashes that I've seen, that car ain't gonna be fixed no matter how many red flags or yellow well, flags. you. fair dispatched. enough,
1: but here's a case right there where <laughs> the fact that Rossi had the uh, the the choice probably kept him at least in a much better points position than True. it would have. If so, uh, what you're doing here is basically saying if if you crash, you're done. That's it. You're done. Right. I mean, because the, the you're not going to... Because even if you started these repairs after the caution came out or whatever, IndyCar doesn't run that many caution laps. Unlike NASCAR, who sometimes runs an endless string of yellows for no good reason. Um, IndyCar does not do that. So... Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like you kind of fixed something that I'm not sure was really broke. I think the instances, I think this is what you're saying, Randy. Crap me if I'm wrong, but the instances in which you have even this rule come into place are probably rare. But there was a case where there were three of them on the opening lap. Um, you know, the whole NASCAR thing, I, I just, it, 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 this, this whole five minute clock thing is crazy to me too. I've never thought that was necessary. It's just one more thing to manage. But, I guess I'd like I said, I'd rather have it this way because it's definitive. You can't make up penalties on the spot. That's what drives me nuts is when the series makes a penalty up on the spot. And they 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 made it 10 laps just randomly because they were mad, apparently, that all these cars, you know, are Rossi or whatever. Um, So I feel like they just said, well, you know, that was a screw you penalty, Um, you know. So, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's okay. Maybe it all should be like this. If you work on your car under the red flag, you're out. NASCAR maybe should do that as well. If you work on under the red flag, you're out. Maybe. Um, You know, I mean, NASCAR has more caution flags to have the clock. IndyCar doesn't.
2: Would this even be a discussion, though, if the five guys that weren't in the wreck weren't in the points chase? Like, if we were talking about five, you know, underfunded cars that just happened to get yeah. in the wreck running for dead last would this even be an issue right now
1: I just feel like you know, um, I
2: mean I, I feel like Indy's doing it just because it's like hey you know, we're sorry we penalized you guys 10 laps during the midst of know. a championship chase so to make it up to you now here's the new rule. just don't work on your car at all
1: there were three people yeah I, like I said I just don't like teams making up or series making up punishments mm-hmm. You know, it's black and white. This sure. is
8: just me asking a question to you. Yeah. Um, I know you said when Roger purchased it, there were a couple of things that you were unsure of that you really weren't a fan of that you liked, like maybe the potential of uh, provisionals for the 500 and stuff like yeah. that. Do you think this is one of the things that he's trying to implement for himself? I'm just I'm just curious. I don't your, know. Your, your I thoughts.
1: think the timing's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think the timing's very interesting. That's all I can say about that. I think any rule that, that comes into play now that Roger owns the series, we all are going to jump to the conclusion that he somehow had some influence. We don't know that. And and it's unfair to say that. I think you have to evaluate it based on what it is. I think Jacob would agree with this. Um, right, Jacob? you gotta, you got to evaluate based on what it is, not on whether Roger had any influence or not.
9: Absolutely. And, and like, you know, like I said earlier, I'll be really quick on this. Just, you know, I, I, it makes sense to me. I don't know why it wasn't always this way. Yeah. And my response, to the, my response to the two lap versus 10 laps is they said a minimum of two laps. That doesn't mean they can't do more. That's my two cents.
1: Well, yeah, I understand that. I just thought going from two laps to 10 laps. Just, and I, I don't see why there was nothing really malicious about this in my in my opinion. What Is ten necessary did. though? It like, wasn't. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. One it exchange wasn't, to another. This wasn't like what the three NASCAR teams did, cup teams did conspired to do at the end of the year with the whole points, you know, owner points thing. Um, these guys were just fixing their cars. So, well, we're going to
2: start the race on lap fifty, but you're going to start on lap one. Yeah,
1: I just that, <laughs> that was just that that just I thought that was a bit much. But anyways, that's uh, that's the latest from IndyCar. It'll be interesting to see where all this goes. Um, for 2020 in that series. Uh, a lot to, to dissect as we get into a preview of that series on future shows here. Much more with Jacob coming up. We've got Chili Bowl to talk about right after this.
4: What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
5: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, this is Derek Crowe, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Motorsports Madness presented by mycomputercareer.edu rolls on here. uh, If you're listening to us live on uh, Performance Motorsports Network or WSIC TV 25.2 in Charlotte, or uh, perhaps hearing us through syndication or uh, on demand at uh, your favorite podcast source, just search Race Chaser Radio. Hey, by the way, if you're listening to the show, jump on over to our social media It's race chaser media at race chaser media on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All three jump over and uh, give us a like and a follow and say hello to us. Uh, Continuing the program, our first of 2020 and uh, time to talk some chili bowl. Jacob Seelman getting ready to head to uh, Oklahoma for the chili bowl next week. And so are a whole lot of race teams and drivers Um, over 300 entries. I'm sure again, uh, picked up a couple of names just recently, Ryan Newman and Ricky Stenhouse filing their entries for the chili bowl. We always get some influence from the major series, especially NASCAR. Um, a couple of guys. I don't think Alex Bowman is racing this year. Yeah, uh, he's on the entry list. Is he on the yeah. list? Okay. Yeah. Cause I had thought for a little bit that that wasn't going to work out for him this year. Um, so of course, uh, Chris Bell should be back in the fold as well. And um Chris was Chris caused some uh, controversy unwittingly when he had a bad crash over in New Zealand and um, got his bell rung pretty badly and then uh, proceeded to just come home and not finish that series. There was some speculation that uh, he was told to do so by his NASCAR uh, management uh, group or whatever and whoever that would be, I'm not sure, but um, he says, no, I made my own decision. Um, I'm not sure I totally believe that, <laughs> but, um, honestly, I don't think it matters. None of my business. He decided not to finish. Doesn't matter why. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be ready for the chili bowl. And, uh, I love the, uh, seeing Ryan Newman take a shot at this. And I love the, the influence of some of the NASCAR guys in the chili bowl. I think it makes it very interesting, Jacob, uh, to see what they can do against the best that midget racing has to offer. And of course, you know, obviously guys like Bell and Larson, have a bit of an advantage in that they do quite a lot of it during the year.
9: Yeah, so let's uh, run down the list here for a minute. I'll start right off the top with the name that you mentioned, that as I was doing my statistical research last night, I'm still blown away by the fact that Ryan Newman's never run the Chili Bowl before. He's going to be a Chili Bowl rookie and one of about 60 rookies, I might add, taking a stab at Rookie of the Race honors in 2020, which is a really cool... Cool deal. Um, it's been a while since we've had true star power on that uh, rookie list for the for sure. Chili Bulls. So Newman certainly uh, Newman certainly gives some of that. Stenhouse coming back, I didn't really feel like was ever in question. He's run 14 of the last 16 Chili Bulls and pretty much all of them since 2014 with right. with Klaus and influence, whether it was Brian before his death or with him since Brian's death. Um, so those two, of course, you mentioned Christopher Bell. Uh, in regards to the whole New Zealand thing, I'm just gonna throw my two cents in here real fast. I absolutely believe Christopher when he says he came home of his own accord, especially when Bob Levine gets on Twitter and staunchly says no one at LFR told Christopher to come home uh at all. Actually, he went so far as to go in on Sirius XM uh right between you know, a couple days ago to you know, talk about it and really, you know, really make it a point that it was nobody out of that shop. Now, whether it was somebody out of JGR or Toyota, we'll never know. But honestly, Christopher's never been one to shy away from that. And if he says if he says he went home of his own accord, quite frankly, I believe him because, uh, and pardon me, I'm I'm not meaning this in a bad way at all, but no little short track race at New Zealand is going to be worth the same to Christopher Bell as the Chili Bowl. We've heard him talk about the Chili Bowl as being his Daytona 500, more or less, uh, being a kid from Oklahoma. So I can understand why he wouldn't want to jeopardize that by potentially getting in another bad accident and not being able to race the Chili Bowl or something like that because all of a sudden he's got a concussion or he's hurt, something right. like that. You know, That race for him is the ultimate so, you know, I believe I believe that he meant it when he said he's coming home to make sure that he's right for the Chili Bowl because of how much that race means to him. Now, it's going to be interesting when you consider he's in it, you know, with a different team now with Tucker Boat. Kyle Larson's on his own. Kyle Larson's also the uh, the prohibitive favorite coming into the Chili Bowl Nationals, quite frankly, yeah. after winning seven out of eight races. Uh in his own number one k i mean you don't just do that not have a good handle on your package so um you know you've got that uh bowman is as randy said going to be on the entry list to actually field in two cars one for himself one for cj leary that's a deal they've done the last couple years with some business to business stuff between valvoline and bowman and hendrick motorsports valvoline's actually you know, I've heard them say, a couple of their people say, they get a lot out of the package that they do with Bowman and Billy Bolt. So that's a really cool thing. Um, uh, You've got Chase Briscoe running his own midget with uh, Dia edge uh, one of his sponsors from the Truck Series when he was with uh, Thor Sport Racing, coming on board to sponsor him. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else uh, notable that I would be missing. I think that's, about covers the NASCAR influence. Really, what's been interesting to me about this Chili Bowl entry list is not the not as much the NASCAR influence, because we expect that, but right. the IndyCar influence that's coming back again. When you've got Connor Daly, who I expected to be back in another go for Petrie Motorsports, but to add James Davison in a Flea Ruzic Team Ripper car, to add Santino Ferrucci in a Jody Rosenboom car, which Quite frankly, I think Ferrucci's going to be the most interesting guy to watch I agree. in Tulsa the entire week because he has a ton of driving talent and car control, but he's never done dirt before until he got a 100-lap test session in a sprint car uh, a couple weeks ago out in, in Arizona at Canyon Speedway Park. So he's going to be tremendously fun to watch. And then you look at, look at all the team shifts that we've had. Look at how many drivers are driving for different teams than where they ended last year or where they raced the majority of last season. What? This, to me, the storyline here is that, ha- is that this has the potential to be the most topsy-turvy Chili Bowl that we've ever seen, quite frankly.
1: Well, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Of course, the biggest change everybody's talking about is that Wise is going over to... Uh, Keith Coons, uh, and I think that instantly raises Zeb's odds considerably uh, and, and puts him into big-time favorite status. Um, and you were talking about drivers to watch. I'm going to give you another one, and I don't mind saying I'm slightly biased on this one, but... With his background, it makes perfect sense. Tyler Thompson out of Fulton, New York, is a relative unknown in the midget world because he's never raced a midget. But he has run plenty of dirt in both go-karts and also uh, the super dirt big block modified type cars. And he's run uh, super modifieds for a couple of years and uh, went on a run this past fall, won the a swing of Speedway International Classic, the biggest uh, race for supermodifieds in the world in only his second attempt. And then went to uh, in the, well, Lucas Oil Raceway Park now and won that supermodified show as well. Um, there's a kid who I think will be a quick adapter and uh, driving for one of the most famous families in open wheel racing. uh out of New England, the Seymour family. I think uh, Tyler's going to be fun to watch as well. Um, but you're right. This has the chance to be a much more interesting chili bowl than uh, what we've seen in recent years. And maybe there's enough strength elsewhere for somebody to break Keith Kuhn's stranglehold on this event because um, it's it's pretty much uh, uh, KKM Benefit Series um benefit race or has been for the past number of years
9: now. Please hold while I tell you why the Keith Coon streak is going to continue in twenty twenty. Um, number one, if you want my early predictions for things that are going to happen, because until they don't until they don't happen, they're going to happen. Kyle Larson's going to be in contention. And he's going to find a way to give it away again. Why? Because that's what Kyle Larson does. Exactly. For the last four years, that's what he's done. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Christopher Bell is not going to win this with Tucker Boat unless he comes out on his prelim night and totally shocks the world and just blitzes him again. that team, to me, has not shown me anything to make me believe they're where they need to be to actually win the Chili Bowl right now. And I can't believe I'm saying that because Chad Boat has a first-class operation. But the last, you know, since the West Coast swing, I was since the time I went out to California, they've looked like they've really been struggling to find their way. And I hope I'm wrong and they come out and show me a lot during the Chili Bowl, but I just don't know what to expect from them right now, especially with the rapid expansion that they've got. With adding guys like Gio Selzy, Chris Windham, Andrew Laser, you know, that's a lot of cars to add in a short amount of time. And I just wonder if they might not be a little bit overtaxed going into this. We'll see. Now, in regards to why Keith Coons Motorsports is going to continue to do what they do at the Chili Bowl, well, when Kyle Larson gives it away, because, again, that's what Kyle Larson does, one of three guys is going to step up and win this thing. Rico Abreu, because, well, he's done it twice. Zeb-wise, because, well, he's done everything in a midget so far, but win the Chili Bowl, and he's with the team that's won the last five, add two and two together, and you get four. Or the kid who almost shocked the world last year, and I think now that he's in the car, you know, one of the cars to beat, is going to shock the world, Cannon McIntosh with Keith Coons Motorsports. One of those three guys, if if KKM wins this Chili Bowl, it's going to be one of those three.
1: Well... I mean, I see, I disagree with you on the Tucker Boat deal, and for only one reason. Well, two reasons, really. One, outdoors does not equal indoors. You cannot – everybody loves stats. You can't say, well, this team won't get outdoors or whatever. It's a totally different form but of they were, racing. But
9: they were, when they went indoors at Gateway, which is the closest thing we've got to Chili Bowl, they have been indoors, and when they went to Gateway – they couldn't find their heads from a hole. gateway is an
1: entirely different situation. Entirely different track surface track prep. It's an entirely different deal. The Chili Bowl has been traditionally as far as Tucker Boat, they've been fast. Um, we all forget I mean, I think if I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Ch- I think it was Tucker Boat that Austin Langenstein last round for the Chili Bowl and uh except for a couple of um car issues. I think he got caught in someone else's mess. If I'm not correct in one of the, one of the higher mains, he was on his way to potentially making the a main. He never raced the chili bowl before. When I look at Tucker boats lineup and the fact that they've got Christopher bell, who to me is the guy, I don't care what you put anybody else in. Christopher bell's the favorite until he's not. I Chad boat has run very well in the event in the past. I believe that, uh, this could be a time for Tucker boat with the driver lineup. They've got to show their strength. Now um, I agree with the KKM lineup though, because I mean, they've got, they they certainly aren't going to miss Chris bell being honest. I think Zeb wise is uh, equally talented and they've got a lineup this year that is still going to be strong. So It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Uh, Chili Bowl, of course, a week-long deal, and um, you can go purchase the package for it, watch every night of it online. And, of course, uh, then Saturday night, uh, always on uh, MAV-TV, the A-Main will get started quite late because that's kind of how it all works. Um, We'll uh, keep going with Jacob and have more right around the turn. Motorsports Madness continues. Stay with us.
4: This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
9: Hi, this is Ty Ankrum, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Okay. Welcome back to Motor Sports Madness, presented by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. We continue with Jacob Seelman from speedsport.com and sprintcarmidget.com. Jacob, going to be covering the Chili Bowl next week. But I want to uh, hit uh, Jacob with and ask him to talk to us about what's going on at Daytona this uh, weekend because we've got some action there. Uh, The roar happening, roar before the 24. And we'll get our first Kyle Busch sighting uh, at Daytona International Speedway. Now, there's a news story for you. We've got about a minute and 50 seconds. Jacob, who's going to be, who should we be paying attention to at the roar?
9: Well, if you're not paying attention to Acura Team Penske, you're not paying attention because I expect them to be right in the thick of this. And now that they've got their reliability stuff ironed out, I believe they will have a shot to win uh, the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, I think the Mustang Sampling team moving over to uh, <laughs> moving over to a new team in the Galax stable in JDC Miller is going to be interesting because they've kept the entire. Uh, the entire lineup there, including Christian Fittipaldi as team director. That'll be fun to watch. Action Express slimming down to one car. How will they do? Don't know. We'll find out. It's a small prototype field, but it's a very packed with talent prototype field is what I take away from this deal. And, uh, just for something outside the prototypes, Michael Shank Racing bringing two cars with two very, very strong lineups. Watch for them. The actor is in the GT Daytona class.
1: You didn't say anything about Kyle Busch. Does that mean you don't feel like his chances of success are great
9: at the Rolex? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I really don't because he's not a sports car guy. No disrespect to Kyle, but of all the ringers, he's the one that I most scratched my head at over the years. We'll see. But I am interested to see Kyle Busch in a sports car for once. I, if nothing else, he will be entertaining. Well, See,
1: I think you're way underestimating his road racing talent. Randy's uh, nodding Mm -hmm. his head yes.
2: Uh, It's Kyle Busch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as good as the team is, so will Kyle be. Um, It may take him a little time, but that's what you got the roar for. By the time we get to the race, I'm expecting uh, him to be very, very tough. Okay, we got one more segment with Jacob. Uh, So we're going to step aside, come back with that in just a moment as Motorsports Madness continues.
3: one of several entry-level positions but whatever you do don't wait these jobs will go fast call tim at 302-827-2054 that's 302-827-2054 lewis meinecke car care center rev up your career
7: you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette
0: Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. One more short segment here, and uh, we'll finish up with Jacob Seelman. On uh, this note, we had um, had another uh, news story that broke today. Uh, and I really feel bad, honestly, about this, but then you kind of look at it and say, well, sometimes perhaps you just get that little wake up call that says it's just that time. And one of ARCA's most successful Daytona Speedway racers ever is going to sit this one out, Jacob. And this one really surprised me because we, nothing leaked out about his heart attack until, uh. Uh, until today
9: no i know and for bobby gerhardt to not be in a daytona arca race is almost unfathomable he's been running daytona arca longer than i've been alive in fact his streak uh maybe appropriately will come to an end at 32 the same number that uh the legendary dave marcus got to uh, in his consecutive daytona 500 streak so uh, but yeah, I can't believe nothing leaked out about Bobby's heart attack and I think I'm just thankful that it wasn't worse than it was and he's still with us and kicking and gonna keep the team going because you know Bob, you know, whether you love him or hate him, Bobby Gerhardt is a stalwart of ARCA and I believe just as good at driver development as anybody in the garage area. We've seen it before Blake Feast, Kyle Krystaloff. I believe he'll find somebody to get in that car for Daytona and whoever he puts in the car, if it's somebody with talent, they'll contend for the win.
1: Well, I agree at Daytona. I think he's got as strong a program as anybody. And so, yes, I, that opens up a door. 61 years old is, uh, Bobby. And, and it will be hard not to see him on the track, but, uh, somebody's going to get a good opportunity out of this. And it'll be interesting to see who, and then we're just thankful that, uh, Bobby appears to be okay. And, uh, um, is really excited to um, to go to Daytona with another driver and keep that uh, streak alive, at least as an owner, if not as a guy who's behind the wheel. Jacob, uh, we know you're going to the Chili Bowl next week, about 10 seconds. Uh, who do we keep an eye on, and what do we look for coverage-wise?
9: Speedport.com, sprintcarmidget.com. We're going to have everything written all week long, videos, all that. And my guy to win, Kyle Larson.
1: We'll be back with more motorsports madness right after this. back as motorsports madness rolls on presented by mycomputercareer.edu tom baker randy miller and james mellick in the wsic studios i want to clarify too because um i think i actually have been saying next week for the chili bowl it's actually the following week we we came back a little early this year from new year's we normally would take this a week off of this show as well. So in my head, we're already going into Chili Bowl week, but it doesn't start till the 13th. So Jacob will be back with us next week before he heads off to the Chili Bowl. Okay, we go from Jacob to Jason as uh, we hit the Strutmasters.com guest line once again. And we have a driver from Las Vegas, Nevada, who's been on this show a couple of times before. Jason Reichert, an upcoming open wheel slash endurance series racer who's always a lot of fun to talk to and had another big year this year. When we last talked to you, uh, Jason, I believe it was shortly after you won the Seca runoffs last year, uh, in 2018. Well, you, uh, had another big season this year for those who, um, haven't been following you. Give us a short, um, encapsulation of all the success that you had in
10: 2019 yeah uh thanks for thanks again for having me on the show uh we had a great year was racing with uh day traders racing this season and we won uh every single race except for two races and it was a it was a great season started, uh, a couple of track records and yeah i had an awesome time with it
1: well you certainly did and uh, i think you ended up with another championship as well right
10: Yes, we did. Uh, great, great effort by the whole team. I can't thank you guys enough. That
1: was your fifteenth championship of your career, and you're only twenty. So uh, you've had a pretty good average. Yeah, it's been,
10: it's been. Uh, I've been very blessed to have uh, have great team members around me, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a great season.
1: Okay, so you ended the season uh, and are starting twenty twenty with something a little different as well, and I want to really kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive into this portion of your, uh, your racing, because I find it to be so interesting. Um, you are competing in 2020 in something called the champ car series. Now for a portion of our audience, that's, uh, the IndyCar fan base. No, the, the, the champ car series is not being resurrected. Um, this is an endurance series that used to be called chump car. Um, and they called it that because it was kind of, you know, run the chump car series. We race lemons. Well, now they've actually kind of decided to upgrade themselves. Um, and it has become the champ car series and quickly ha- is establishing itself as a very competitive, um, but kind of lower level endurance series for those who want to break into that form of racing you can really you can run this series on a very very uh, low budget compared to what it takes to say go run Trans Am or one of the other um, uh, endurance series like that.
10: Yeah, I will be racing that next uh, next year, and I already did a few races this yep. year, and it's a great series. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm racing with Eurotech Racing, and uh, next season we're unveiling a BMW. We'll be running in the series, and yeah, it's awesome. It's very competitive so far. The team. Uh, we've gotten three podium finishes in a row. So the team's doing really well, especially for a startup team. But yeah, I'm really proud of the guys.
1: This series runs in a lot of the same tracks that its kind of upper-level counterparts uh, run as well. Um, tracks like Laguna Seca, right? Daytona, Watkins Glen, different, ser- different uh, courses like that. And uh, you're going to contest the entire series this year, right? Run for a championship with... Team Eurotech.
10: Yes, yeah, we are. We are planning on running a full full season, and we're uh, preparing to do their, the way their series works is there's uh, several qualifying races, and then they have one big uh, finale championship, and that's going to be held at Sonoma Raceway, and we're uh, fully prepared to, to try to win that championship.
1: What when you, when, you, when you think about the tracks that you've had a chance to race at, uh, the, the of course, a lot of your racing, or almost all of your racing, really, has been road course racing. What are some of your favorite courses or courses that you're going to run this year that you're really looking forward to?
10: Oh, yeah. My two favorite tracks are uh, uh, Sonoma Raceway and Laguna Seca. I absolutely love Laguna Seca, too. It has such a smooth track. It's a great facility. And it's so legendary for all the IndyCar races you can watch down there.
1: Yeah, it's it. Laguna Seca was really interesting in in a lot of ways. I think the IndyCar series uh, put on a heck of a show uh, there for their first time back in a, in a while this past year, and I know they're looking forward to it again. Uh, when I look at your schedule, you've actually got uh, you start. What is it, February seventh and eighth at uh, Road Atlanta, which is one of my favorite courses. That is. That's a very challenging course. Have you run there in the past?
10: Yes. Oh, I love the track. It's so beautiful out there and I'm really, really looking forward to it.
1: It's a fourteen hour event. Um which is which to me is just crazy. I mean you guys have multiple drivers just like you would see at the Rolex or in the you know, the MC series, whatever. But um but a a fourteen hour event, uh is I mean that's got to be a bunch of fun. How do you actually schedule who drives, which shifts, and and is there? Do you guys have a similar rule to um, what IMSA has to where you can only you've got to balance it? You can't have one driver doing three quarters of the race.
10: Yes, you do. So the way they limit it is they limit how much, how long each driver can spend in the car. So you can only spend a maximum of two hours in the car. That's how we limit it, and the way we do our driver lineup is normally we put our most aggressive driver uh, in the first stint to make up as many positions on the first lap. Try to get us, try to get us in the lead, and then be leading going into our second stint. That way we can just manage the race pace from there. And then our final driver is our second strongest, and he's going to be the driver if in case we fall back a little bit that we need to make up more time.
1: So you actually kind of group it by ability and experience. Then is at least how you guys do it.
10: Yeah, that's our team strategy, and that's how we've ran at the last two events, and it's been working out really well.
1: You guys have the the other thing that is, I was doing my research, uh, and I think you even mentioned this to me the other day when we were talking. You can have seventy or eighty cars on the track at the same time in the series, and. I know you get a bunch of the Rolex too, but generally you expect those guys to be some of the best of the world. Um, What's it like in this series, given that there's probably a pretty wide gap between the highest skilled and lowest skilled and highest, you know, most and least experienced kind of, what is it like to run in this series? Um, I would imagine if you're in one of the faster cars, much like in the Rolex, you just really got to be careful in traffic.
10: Yeah, you definitely have to be careful. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different cars out there, and then there's a lot of different speed levels and a lot of different skill sets. There's some incredibly talented drivers in the field, and then there's also some new drivers who are their first time in the car is during that race. So you really get a you get a really big mixed bag on what what to expect out there. And yeah, it's all about just managing it, being being uh being cautious, taking high percentage moves. And yeah, I love it. It's so much fun to do. But you also have a different level of, sometimes you'll see a car that you think a driver's a really talented driver in the car, but his co-driver might not be as good as him. So you'll also see that, that there's different skill level drivers in each car, so you can't rely on the information that you knew the day before, because it might be a totally different guy in the car today.
1: Interesting. That, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, you're right. You can have three really good drivers in one week or one that can pull down the the team's performance that is uh that's very interesting um okay we've got about uh, 50 seconds left here i want to uh get you to to get your sponsors and you know tell tell us about who's making this season happen for you
10: absolutely lucas soil has uh, been a big part in our season they've given us a lot of product and uh making the cars run really good and i really appreciate all their support and then also Layright deluxe has been a big uh key factor in giving us financial support for the season so i really appreciated those two guys really helping out
1: well we uh we always enjoy talking with you jason i want to get you back on again as uh, we get into your season a little bit but your season starts uh february 7th and 8th at uh, road atlanta and we are looking forward to following you throughout the season here and kind of keeping tabs on how you're doing so thanks for being on
10: absolutely thank you so much for having me on i can't wait for the next time
1: You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media set you.
0: Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, becomes everybody's business so please plan ahead designate before you celebrate friends don't let friends drive drunk
5: a public service announcement brought to you by rad the national association of broadcasters and the ad council
10: hi this is chandler smith and you're listening to the race chaser radio now back to the show
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness presented by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Hey, if you are looking for a change in career, or maybe you're just looking for a first career, uh, My Computer Career might just be a great option for you. If you've thought about doing something different and you want a career that is certainly going to continue to, to grow you into this decade, IT is a great. Uh, industry to be in a great profession. Uh, it is in demand. There are tons of jobs available. MyComputerCareer.edu is the place to go for training for that. In as little as four months, you could be an IT professional, either by doing uh, your training online or at one of their seven campuses across the country. Uh, it's, uh, it's an excellent opportunity to do something a little bit different, and again, in an industry that is continuing to grow, uh, financial aid is available if you qualify, including the GI Bill. And once you're done with your training and ready to enter the workforce, mycomputercareer.edu works with hundreds of employers to get you placed. It is a great uh, opportunity to uh, to make a change as we start a new decade. And hey. You can check it out for free. Here's what you do. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation. And once you've done that, you'll have a much better idea if IT might be for you. If you decide to go for it, you won't regret it. I've talked to uh, some students that have graduated from there, um, from the Raleigh campus and the Charlotte campus as well now. Uh, and both uh, in, in both situations at both campuses, some of the best professors Um, and trainers that you can find. So mycomputercareer.edu is the place to go. If you want to get into uh, IT, it is truly training for a better life. And oh, by the way, if you're not good at math or science, that's okay. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Check them out. As we continue with our first show of 2020, Tom Baker, Randy Miller, and uh, James Mellick in the WSIC studio um man, Randy, it it's not gonna be long. We're gonna have cars on the track in Daytona actually this weekend for the Roar um on the road course, but then uh ARCA coming up as well for their um open test. And then next we get NASCAR we start talking about you know NASCAR and uh and the opening race of what's gonna prove to be, I think, a very different kind of season with all the schedule changes. One of the articles I saw on NASCAR.com recently, I thought it was an interesting uh, story. Um, Justin Allgaier believes that Daniel Hamrick is going to be a tremendous addition to the junior motorsports team in the Xfinity Series. And he talks about it in the the aspect that um, he and Daniel both grew up the same way. They worked on their own cars. They made their cars better. They spent time with their cars. um, They built cars. They know Carr's inside Now He believes that Daniel's going to be a real credit to that team. What say you about what uh, Daniel's prospects are for 2020?
2: First of all, it's funny you should mention Justin Allgaier because Jacob actually forgot to mention that Justin's in the field for the Chili Bowl, too. Yes, he is. That's so right. He, he yeah, did I not did mention him. Um, but in, in terms of that, I, I think he's absolutely right. And, you know, we talked last year about how uh, how kind of behind the A-Ball Junior Motorsports was most of the season and how, you know, even though Allgaier was in the Final Four, um, he really was never a real threat to win the championship. This year is going to be a different ball game because the three guys that he was defeated, uh, you know, last season are all out and now in uh, moonlighting in the Cup Series, if you will. So I think this is an opportunity for Junior Motorsports to kind of hit the reset button on their whole organization and say, you know what, we had a down year, but we're going to come back stronger. Um, Allgaier obviously is the veteran guy on the team now. Um, but they have a lot of, of strong guys coming in uh, t- to, run, uh, to run the series. You, uh, Daniel Hemrick and uh, uh, Jeb Burton. Uh, you've got uh, Annette coming back. Uh, so you've got Noah Gregson, who will now be in his second year. So I think as a whole, junior the, the whole Junior Motorsports organization, it's time for them to hit the reset button and go, okay, you know what, we had a down year. This year we're going to be better. We're going to be faster. And I think having Daniel Hemrick on that team is going to really be a great addition to the junior motorsports camp.
1: How many teams would like to have the down year that junior motorsports had, though? Right, I mean, exactly. You know, yeah. it's one of those I things mean, they were they were a tick off. It yeah. wasn't but like. You, but it were, was a noticeable difference. It well, wasn't sure. like. Yeah.
2: You know, we stayed ahead of down year. Yes, it, they were still competitive and they were still, you know, they didn't win any races except right. for the two that uh, Annette and, and Algar won. It took him the entire year to win it. But considering where the where the organization was, and and you know how competitive we know that team can be and that organization can be, it was a down year. So I think it's kind of like with with KBM and the truck series. You know, we 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 ran that whole team through the mud all season long because they just weren't being as competitive as we know they can be. And I think it's going to be the same situation over there with that team. He's got two, you know, he's got fresh meat in that organization now. Yep. Um, and this is going to be their opportunity for him to go out and get, okay, you know, we had a bad year. Let's put it behind us. Let's go out and start winning races again, and I think that team's going to be just fine as well.
1: Well, KBM for me, that, to me, I look at that and say, well, a lot of that was related to the fact that we went to um, the spec motors Mm -hmm. versus, you know, the manufacturer builds because Toyota's motors, I think, were the the big secret there. Um, But, I think it's going to be interesting to see if junior motorsports can really bounce back because although you lose the top three drivers from the series this past year to the cup series, um, essentially the teams are the same pretty much. The two, mm. two team will look different because most of those guys went up to cup with Tyler Reddick. But I think that this is an open door for junior Joe Gibbs racing is young. They went, basically all young drivers. Now you got Brandon Jones, who's had a couple of years in it at like 24, 25 years old. He's the veteran over there, but you got a couple of newbies. Um, And, you know, Harrison Burton has shown that he can certainly run at the front of the field. Um, He's going to be tough. I mean, um, but again, I think it's a young squad. So there's an open door here for, for junior but they've got to find some speed somewhere, and I'm not sure they ever really totally found it last year. Mm-mm. Not much of a change the rules package for Xfinity for this year, so they've just got to keep working on their stuff.
2: I think it's the Hendrick Motorsports situation, because the same thing was happening at Cup 2, where Hendrick just kind of seemed like they struggled for the yeah, first part of it, the season, and then they finally I, were like, oh, wait a minute, here's something. But, you know, you, you look at the guys on the junior motorsports team, and, and, you know, All-Guy may be the exception to the rule, but how many of those guys could be auditioning for, you know, a certain ride that might become available at the end of the season. You know, I mean, we don't know who's going to, you know, who's going to take that ride. We don't even know if anybody has been thinking about who might be taking that ride later on in the year. So those guys are probably just sitting there going, you know, hey, I I technically work for Hendrick. So, you know, I'm already in the camp. I mean, a lot of people obviously are looking at Daniel Hemrick as, you know, a guy who might be able to go back up to Cup and, Being a competitive ride, Noah Gregson, you know, when he first got signed away from Toyota, they thought, yeah, that's the golden child. Um, A lot of rumors, you know, a lot of speculation, things that we can talk about all season long. But I I, I think the performance is what's really going to play a a hand here. You know, those guys need to come out of the gate swinging and prove, you know, that just because we lost the the top three guys in the series, there's going to be plenty of other competitive guys waiting in the wings to you know uh, Ross Chastain, who really well, are going to want to show them what they've got. See, up, so
1: Chastain's one, and Justin Haley, both of those drivers mm. at Colleague Racing, I think, are drivers that could step up and 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 should run for a championship this year in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Austin Sindrick certainly going to be right on top of things Um with Penske. You've got Chase Frisco staying on, and 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 again, he's going to be right up there as well in out of the Stuart Haas camp. So, okay, you replace a few drivers, but there are still plenty of young drivers who can come up and and do well in this series or continue to do well. So Hendrick Motorsports, I should say Junior Motorsports, has got to find some speed here if they're going to be able to race for wins, no matter who's in the car. But I just thought that was interesting that Justin was so high on Daniel. Okay, we've actually got... Uh, odds being laid already for the Daytona 500. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean we're we're still two months out, and we've got odds. Every driver's odds of winning uh, the 500, starting with Ross Chastain at 200 to one. Um, and you, I, you can
2: make you rich if you now, decided to go again.
1: Again, these this is from the Westgate in Las Vegas, so these are official Vegas odds. So you've got Ross Chastain at 200 to one. Now, what I find funny about this is. It's the Daytona 500. Remember what happened the last time we went to Daytona in 2019? Justin Haley goes out and purely because of circumstances ends up with a W. So you could say, well, should that then invalidate these odds? No, but you got to take this with a grain of salt. It's Daytona. One big wreck and anybody can win. I mean, Landon Castle, 100 to one. John Hunter hundred Nemechek hundred to one, and I gotta be honest, I find that to be a bit of a. I, I think that's a little bit high or low, I guess you, you would say in, in odds world because the higher the number, the lower the odds. Um, however they say it, but I I I don't I think Nemechek has got a better chance than a hundred to one. He and Michael McDowell, who is eighty to one, Front Row Motorsports. That I think the the that's this is a race. Where super speedways are the one place you can put front row motorsports and they've got as good a chance as anybody to to come out with a win.
2: That is very true. But any anybody who wants to put odds down on one of those drivers that you just mentioned, if they end up winning the race, they should probably go pay Powerball right after yeah, really? the race. <laughs> exactly.
1: Ends. Ryan Priest, 60 to 1. Bubba Wallace, 60 to 1. Um Ty Dillon, 60 to 1. And look at this. Tyler Reddick, 40 to 1 odds. Hey, uh, Ty, I mean, Tyler ran awfully well there last year. I I He's give, a two time winner, Daytona. Yeah, I think I I almost put a little money on Tyler Reddick at this point uh, at Daytona with 40 to 1 odds. I kind of like those. And look at this. Former Daytona winner, Austin Dillon. No respect, 40 to 1 odds. Same as yeah. Tyler Reddick.
2: Yeah. This his last name is Dillon.
1: I guess. Uh, chris bell at 30 to 1 and we're going to talk about that one right after this
6: how to be a great dad in 15 seconds bike ride go fish walk in the park phone call milkshake play catch picnic fly a kite tell jokes laugh talk read a story tell a story bumper car swing set bowling pillow fight cut loose stay tight because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life take time to be a dad today
1: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety.
6: Hi, I'm Cody Connor, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Cody! Cody Connor, one of the rising stars uh, from here in the Carolinas, who's coming up the stock car ranks, and uh, I suspect be hearing more about Cody on the national level in the next uh, year or two as well. Welcome back, our last uh, long segment here for the evening on motorsports madness and uh good to have you back with us for 2020 we were we left off the last segment talking about vegas odds for the daytona 500 because why not um and we got to christopher bell at 30 to 1 and i said we'll talk about this on the other side of the break i find this one to be interesting because you say well he's 30 to 1 because he's a rookie perhaps but this car led the Daytona 500 with Matt De Benedetto behind the wheel last year. And I see absolutely no reason why Chris Bell, who's had plenty of super speedway experience between the trucks, and the Xfinity series and whatever, Arca. Uh, I don't see any reason why Christopher Bell couldn't contend at Daytona as well as any of his other Toyota counterparts. Am I wrong?
2: No, no, you're you're right. Here, I think the thing that people kind of have a, I guess, skepticism about is because a lot of pe- a lot of people hear stories about how NASCAR, like the veterans of the sport, won't work with rookies during Daytona and Talladega because they don't know how they're going to react in the draft. And even though it's Christopher Bell, it could be any you know anybody. Trevor Bain you know, suffered the same fate, although he ended up winning. But I think that maybe you know kind of where people are going is because Christopher Bell is, of course, you know, a household name. He's Toyota's golden boy, but at the same time, he is still a rookie. And, you know, I mean, as good of a driver as he is going to be, and he already is, people still have to think, yeah, he's this is still his first Daytona 500.
1: But this is this is what interests me here. You had Tyler Reddick at 40-1. to one. Tyler won the championship two years in a row. True. Did I, did, I mean, did I dream that? He no. won two, exp- okay, no. and this year he beat Christopher Bell, and he beat Cole Custer to do it, okay. And Bell and Custer are thirty to one. Now, again, I, I, I mean, maybe it's because Tyler's driving for RCR, but I don't think I, I, I think these odds makers are a little loopy here because RCR is as fast at Daytona, oftentimes as anybody. Um, I mean, I just, I just find it to be interesting the way they make these odds. I would actually, if it were me, and I were choosing between one of the three, I would choose Tyler Reddick at forty to one over Bell or Custer at thirty to one, because Tyler ran the five hundred last year. He knows what he's getting into. That's very true. That that is true. Although I, maybe
2: it's because people still, you know, like. You know, you were talking about Bell being in the L F R car. Maybe people just don't remember that Matt De Benedetto was uh, in the L F R car and they don't realize how competitive he was in that car last year. It's interesting.
1: You wonder what criteria they use. Kyle Larson mm. thirty to one. No respect. No respect whatsoever for Kyle Larson at Daytona. Thirty to one. Ryan Newman thirty to one. Jimmy Johnson, thirty to one.
2: Yeah, he still has some proving there's some, some proving to do to get people back on his side again. He's had a couple of
1: Eric Jones 30 to 1 out of Mm -hmm. the kids' camp. Again, no respect for for Eric Jones here. Ricky Stenhouse and his new ride, better odds than Eric Jones. Stenhouse 25 to 1 odds in the Chevy for uh, his new team, JTG Doherty. Uh, James? Eric
8: Jones is the previous winner there. He won the July race yeah, with the Gibbs car. Yeah, I, I don't get this. 30 to 1 for Eric, 25 for I think, Ricky, I and think he's st- not
1: even in the Ford.
2: Stenhouse is probably because everybody knows that he'll go through everybody to get to the front. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> well, it that, could be. that bumper has some slick stuff on the front but of check
1: it. Check this out. Truex, 25 to 1. He's got a new crew chief. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I mean honestly, it's still it's still the same JGR playbook here. I, I to Benedetto twenty to one in his new ride, which is the Wood Brothers Ford this year. So they gave him more love in the Wood Brothers car than they gave Bell in the LFR car, which I find to be. Uh, again, I just wonder what criteria you're using here. Uh, Eric Almirola twenty to one. quit Boyer twenty to one. Uh, Byron eighteen to one again. Hey, we're getting better. We're, yeah, I mean it's uh, Hendrick.
2: Hendrick is obviously going to start on the front row. Well, so, I guess mm. except
1: for Jimmy Johnson, who they have nowhere, They must mm. think Jimmy's over the hill. It's just going
2: to take Jimmy one good run. His odds are
1: way, uh, way worse than these two. Alex Bowman eighteen to one. Kurt Busch eighteen to one in his uh, second year uh, with uh, Team Ganassi as a teammate to Larson. Ryan Blaney. Fourteen to one. That one's kind of odd. Slightly better. He's
2: just kind of sticking. You like you don't
1: expect Ryan Blaney to be amongst. I agree. Um, Amongst these Kevin Harvick, fourteen to one. But here's what I find really strange: Kyle Busch, fourteen to one. Denny Hamlin, ten to one. We know Denny's won a couple of five hundreds, but check this out: Chase Elliott. How many five hundreds has Chase won? (laughs) Zero. Zero. Okay, ten to one. So, like, out of all that, like, Jimmy Johnson, who is, you know, he's done this, uh, 30 to 1, Chase Elliott, 10 to 1. Really interesting to me. Keslowski 10 to 1, and Logano, 10 to 1. So, those four drivers, Hamlin, oh. Elliott, Keslowski and Logano, according to Vegas, have the best Odds of winning the Daytona 500 agree or disagree? Penske's been. Penske's had their number
2: on restrictor plates for the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, maybe that's why Ryan Blaney's up there because he is a Penske driver. But, I mean, something they're doing over at Penske's figured it out because Logano and, and Brad have both won on restrictor plates in the last couple of years and have done pretty good. So.
1: Huh? It's I, interesting. I mean, i
2: i I would agree with those numbers.
1: I mean, it's just I, I just I think Jimmy Johnson's number his uh, his odds are way out of whack here. I, I think, think they gonna. Everybody just needs to wait until
2: to right until we get to Daytona. We get through the Clash. We get into qualifying. We get to the duels, and then see how well, Jimmy yeah, but starts that's doing. And, fun then, then well, we no, know, I know, but I mean, <laughs> but I think that's that's part of why his number is so down. Is because he had a bad year, and everybody's like, eh. Jimmy's gonna mail it in. It's his last year or whatever. He's not gonna mail it in, but you know yeah, what I'm I saying. gonna, I mean, say gonna Ever he's obviously gonna be the sentimental favorite because everybody wants to see him go out on a high note.
1: Okay, so you opened the can of worms here. Okay. So why not? We we've got a few minutes left in the segment. Let's just go down the path here. You said Jimmy's gonna mail it in, and of course, you corrected yourself. But here's the question: You know, we'll we'll go around the the, the table here. Can Jimmy Johnson win? His eighth championship in his final year with uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Do you like the odds of that happening, Randy?
2: No, I don't. I don't no. like it. No, I don't think he's going to win the championship. Will he win a couple of races? Absolutely. He'll make the playoffs. You think He's so? not going to win the championship.
8: Okay. No. I don't like it either. I think Chevy's still got some catching up to do to Toyota. Toyota's out in the league of their own. I mean, they won over half the races this year. So I think they're way out front. I know Chevy's done a body change to I try to catch say. up to that. But we have to wait and see how that's going to affect them at um, the first racetrack they go to, other than a speedway. Like when you go out there to the West Coast, to the Auto Club and Phoenix and all that, that's when you're really going to find out what the Chevrolet's changed into and what kind of stuff they have. But until they prove it, I'm sticking with Toyota. They've dominated last year. Now,
1: this is you, you, you open, you (laughs) brought up my subject that I was going to actually slip in here. Um, Randy, why did uh, Chevy change bodies? What was the main purpose of that?
2: I uh, I would assume from a performance perspective, they felt that they probably needed to do something to either catch up to Toyota, or they felt that maybe a lot of the teams weren't figuring out the way that the Camaro body was situated, and they thought maybe if they changed it, then it would be a little. They bit They changed easier bodies
1: too. primarily because it, it it Chevy's the the Chevy noses were not lining up with the Toyota and Ford the way Toyotas oh, and Ford's, it, They ma- mainly it was a, a pushing situation. Now, this is what I find interesting. What do we, even though I hate this, and I rail about it every year, but what do we do at Daytona? Push. We mm-hmm. push. That's all we do is push. That's our biggest offensive weapon is the push. So I think this increases Chevy's odds. I I actually, I, to me, I feel like Jimmy Johnson is going to he's going to focus harder than he ever has he's going to drive harder than he ever has he is going to come out of the box this year and i feel like his his drive and determination to go out on a high note versus the sort of ambivalent note that this year was uh 2019 was for him i think makes jimmy johnson a huge threat to win the 500 and to win races in general. And I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think Jimmy Johnson can win the championship this year. Now, if you ask me, would I pick him out of 40 drivers? No, but I like his chances a whole lot better with a full year under Cliff Daniels than I did going into 2019 with Mendering as the crew chief. He's had Cliff Daniels for half a year. They've kind of gotten their act together a little bit. His performance definitely escalated down the uh, stretch He started
2: year. out the year with the championship already because him and his daughter won a skiing tandem thing.
1: <laughs> I think up in right.
2: Colorado and Aspen over the weekend. Well, it's just so.
1: to me, it's interesting, and I just I again odds it, odds are like stats for me. I pay a grain of salt to them, and that's all. And especially in this day and age NASCAR, with the package that we have and the way the racing is. You have to look bigger picture than individual driver stats, which is why I agree with you in general that I think until somebody proves they can knock Toyota off the the perch for the manufacturer's deal as best manufacturer, Toyota is still going to win most of the races. Um, I'm not buying a drop in performance for Martin Truex because the lead engineer um, who is taking over his crew chief has plenty of experience, and the rest of the team is still intact. So I don't expect... Um, <laughs> there might be a few calls down the stretch that get made toward the end of a race that may be different than what Cole Pern would have done. Um, but for the most part, I don't see a drop in that, that whole organization's performance at all. And I've, I, I think that if you look at Toyota and you look at Ford, pretty much the same as we had last year. Chevy's the biggest change because of the new body. That's the unknown. If this body can give them... Just a touch more speed, um, I think that's really because I think they were fine pretty much on the super speedways or whatever. It's the the mile and a half of the short tracks where they were really off. Which
2: there's a, there's another new uh, I guess short rules package, package coming, yeah, coming for the short track for the short track for
1: all so. the teams. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, I'm going to go on record as saying I love the idea. That NASCAR is going to amend the package because they saw the need to do that. The racing on the short tracks, not what we are used to mm-hmm. um, or were used to this past season. So NASCAR should make a change to the package. And the fact that, that I saw this quote, the teams agreed to the change. The teams should have nothing to do with right. whether something gets changed or not. Sorry, RTA, not buying it. You don't run the sport. NASCAR does. It's their sandbox. Um, I don't think the team should have to approve it, but I understand why NASCAR is trying to play, you know, play nice with everybody because there are costs involved in any change that you make. But I think everybody agreed that short track racing and NASCAR definitely fell off this past year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, everybody got pretty much what they wanted as far as the intermediate, you know, the, the, bigger tracks being from performance level, being a better rate, being better races this year. Yeah. So if we could change the short track and make them just as good, we'll have a great season. A well, great I agree.
1: And I think that with the new schedule, I think this season is going to be really, really intriguing and, NASCAR. I mean, when you start looking at things like Homestead in March uh, and Martinsville late, late in the schedule, all the different things that they're doing, Daytona to conclude the regular season, I just think that this could be uh, a very different NASCAR year. Uh, it's certainly going to shake things up. And I like when we introduce change like this into the sport, I don't like the schedule being the same every year i'd be all for swapping some tracks in and out Mm,
2: just hold on to your boxer shorts because 2021 is going to be even more
6: wild
1: we'll see it'll be interesting won't it uh we've got more motorsports madness coming up right after this so don't you go anywhere stay with us
4: here's an important message from rad and this station
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. We've got about a minute and a half left in the radio portion of this show. And then we will start TV overtime. I want to close here. We didn't get a chance to talk about the loss of Junior Johnson to our sport. But uh, Daryl Waltrip uh, just talking about uh, when Junior started working on the car, you knew business was going to pick up. He had a way of making things happen. Junior Johnson, for most of the right reasons and maybe a couple of the wrong ones, was a legend in our sport, Randy, and mm-hmm. I don't think the sport, because of how far it's advanced, will ever see another Junior Johnson again. Nope,
2: nope. When you talk about legends of the sport and, and iconic figures in our sport, obviously Junior Johnson, one of the names that comes to mind. you know, it's it gets more and more sad when we start losing the legends of the sport because it's you know when you talk about like Throwback Weekend, yeah. in Darlington, and yep. things like that. You know, it, it's it took something like that to, to people for people to start paying attention to the legendary figures in our sport. Um, and, and now it's sad, you know, we're not gonna have Daryl watch up in the booth anymore, you know, to kind of remind us of the heydays of NASCAR. So. Um, it's kind of good to kind of, you know, be able to go back and, and look at those footages and look at those yeah. highlights and, and see the things that those guys have done to pave the way for this, the guys that are in the sport now. Junior
1: literally uh, was the epitome of the sport as it originally was and took it right into the modern era. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people um, underestimate how articulate and intelligent the man actually was. Uh, I mean, Junior is one of the first to recognize the need for sponsors in the sport as well. So uh, we're going to miss Junior Johnson. Um, Okay. uh, We'll be back next week with more Motorsports Madness. Until then, for James and Randy, I'm Tom. Have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. You can be an IT professional in as little as four months. Visit mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test today. Motorsports Madness, a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsports content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of RaceChaser Media. Thank you for listening.